Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here. And before I get to this podcast episode, I want to ask a very special favor from all of our listeners. Do you have a copy of the Game Changers for Government Contractors book? If you said yes to that, would you please go write us a review on Amazon? I would really, really appreciate it. The thing that most people don't know about Amazon is Amazon actually doesn't approve a lot of the reviews. So I get emails all the time from people that says, hey, I just wrote a review. I really appreciate the book. Love the book. And I go look on Amazon and the review's not there. And I'll shoot them an email and say, hey, you know, it's not there. And they're like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) So it's just, it's really funny how Amazon rejects a lot of the reviews. It really stinks. So what I'm asking for is if you have read the book, you love the book Game Changers for Government Contractors, please go write a review and uh, hopefully it'll make it in there. We just, we really appreciate all of you and just checking out the book and the feedback on it has been outstanding. I really, really appreciate it. And I just need you to do the one more step. Go ahead and write a quick review for us. So we really, really appreciate that. So thanks for that. And now let's go check out this next episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. And we have an exciting episode for you today. I am talking with Miss Emily Harmon. And Emily, why don't you just take the reins right out of the gate, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. I am a former contracting officer for the United States Navy, and I recently retired in May of 2019 as the director of the Office of Small Business Programs for the Department of the Navy. And after I retired, I started my own coaching and consulting company because I really like to help small businesses. And so I'm still helping small businesses figure out how to navigate the world of government contracting. Mm -hmm. And I'm also doing something that I consider fun too, which is hosting a podcast. And and a lot of people think my podcast might be on government contracting, but it's not. It's on how to overcome adversity and move forward. And it just, I think it helps people every day. I know it does based on the reviews I get, figure out that if they're not alone and if these people can do it, I can do it. And so it helps them apply that to their life and move forward. Yeah. I I love the concept. And, you know, I I was just listening the other day, actually on my way back from GovCon, I actually flew into Chicago. And so I have a three hour drive home because there's no, I live in the middle of nothing. And so I'm on a three hour drive home and I'm listening to the podcast with you and Jenny Clark. And I'm like, what a great podcast. And, you know, all the topics you hit. And, yes, you talk about government. But I think it's, you know, anybody could listen to it. But for me, looking at that podcast that you're doing, I think the the thing that I like to see is, like, at the event we were at, all the veterans that are connecting with you. And so those folks who I do think feel like they're alone. And I, every time I'm writing something that's negative out there, I'm like, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not the only one that's going through this or thinking through this. And I think even like, you know, you and I were talking just before we started the podcast today about, you know, the coronavirus and and everything going on. And, you know, this is, you know, March of 2020 when we're recording this. And I think so much of of what's going on is in people's heads, you know, all, all the freak out stuff. And so in your head, you think that you're the only one. You're the only one that's dealing with this issue, whether it's a, a spouse issue, whether it's a work issue, whether it's a, a an addiction issue. You know, you've talked about some of those things and just some really powerful stuff to hear. And the, the thing that I find is, you know, it's great when we talk about it as, as the podcasters, but we, we have guests on here that are normal people or people that have had really successful careers and they just share their story and people are like, wow, you know, I've always looked up to that person. And there's all this stuff going on in the back and here's, and they've overcome it. And, you know, as you say in your pocket, you know, onward, you know, we're moving, we're moving forward. And so I, I really, you know, that's, that's my informal plug for your podcast. I, I really Thank like you. the concept and, and, and what you're doing over there. So it's really good stuff. Thank so, you. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to know that we're not alone and our minds, we, we can control our minds and control our thoughts. It takes practice, but I think sometimes we let our minds get out of control. Yeah. And, and forget that we can control what we're thinking. We we can work on that. That's something I'm working on during this whole coronavirus thing. Yeah. It, you watch the news, you can get really stressed. And I went to the grocery store the other day and I was imagining it to be completely empty, uh, you know, just crazy, you know, based on having read the reviews. It was calm. Hardly anyone was there and there was plenty of food. Yeah. I was 
no toilet paper, but so, yeah. you know, we, we have to really realize where the news is coming from and that our brains look for problems and find problems and we can change that and look for the good. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, I did the same thing, you know, we've gone to the grocery store and we live in a really small town close to a couple of bigger towns and I've done both. I've gone to both of the stores and it's just the, the madness that you see. But the, one of the quick things that I pointed out to my daughter, cause we have this Coke Pepsi thing going on in our house. I said, look here, sis, this is a Coke town. All the Coke is gone and people have barely touched the Pepsi, <laughs> you know, and, and stuff like that. And look at this side where, you know, people won't touch the store brand water, but everything else is gone and, and things like that where we've just laughed. It's not that bad. I saw my sister lives in Louisiana and I saw photos that were like all the uh, sweet tea is gone, but all the, the unsweet tea is still <laughs> on the shelves. <laughs> you know, it hasn't gotten that bad yet, you know, and right. uh so it's, it's just funny, but yeah, I think I, we could do a podcast on just this stuff on, on what's going on in our minds. I think as small business owners, you know, there's always something going on. I talked to you earlier about how I had a client who was, was going through tremendous growth, but they're in a space that depends heavily on travel and other things. And it's all been wiped out for the next 90 days. So, you know, what do you do? And, you know, I had a strategy session with them just yesterday and it was, well, you do a lot of other things besides that, but you've never marketed them. So mm-hmm. let's let's talk about that stuff. Let's also talk about how the fact that this will end and people need to be prepared and how are we going to do that and all the things that they could be doing. And so just trying to get their head right in the game because their their head's telling them all these stories. And so I, I think that's that's some big stuff. But, you know, that's probably another podcast that we'll do another time on on mindset and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm really interested to hear you talk a little bit about some of the experiences you've seen, because we, we talk about this on the podcast all the time about how to approach contracting officers, the small business office, things like that. And every time I talk to uh, a government contractor, they're so afraid to approach these people. They're very afraid to approach them. They don't know what to say. In fact, I would say that's probably the number one question I'm asked is, what do I say to contracting officers? How do I approach them? What do I say? What questions should I ask? How do I get intelligence from them? Um, You know, that sort of thing. So why don't you dive in and tell us a little bit about your experience being in these roles and kind of what you've seen? To start with, I'd say, The first thing a company has to do if they've never done business with the government before, or even if they've done business with one agency in the government and they want to move to another one, is think about what you can offer that organization and lead with that. Lead with your company's capabilities and show that you have done your homework. Um, So many small businesses approach government employees and it, maybe they're not asking for a handout, but it kind of appears that they're asking for a handout. I yep. mean, I've had companies come up to me and say, Emily, we're a women-owned small business and the Navy's not meeting their women-owned small business goals, so let's talk. That does not make me want to talk with them necessarily. Right. I mean, I'll help them out, but that's not a good first impression. Yeah, The better first impression would be, Emily, Um, I noticed that the Navy's having a challenge in this area, you know, let's say it's artificial intelligence or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, and, and you're looking for companies that are capable in artificial intelligence. My company does this, this is why we're unique. And this is why I think that we can help. Could we sit down and talk about that? Then that's a better way to um, start the conversation. And then if later on you tell me, hey, we're also a hub zone small business, or let's say it's women-owned or service-disabled vet. That makes me think about other contracting vehicles and contracting uh, laws and regulations that can help me get to your company easier. But first, you've got to make the government employee want to even know why they need to get to your company. Yeah, that's powerful. And and I noticed you use these, those two words. I, I noticed. So like when we just had a coaching call yesterday with a client and I said, let them know you've done your homework without telling them, Hey, I've done my homework by saying right. things like I noticed online that fill in the blank, 
you know, I happened to notice this, you know, I was reviewing this and saw that, you know, things like that, that communicate you've been doing your homework and you're not just calling to blindly ask questions. Cause I know sometimes you can call and, and I've done this before where you're, you're searching, but you can't find anything. And so I will say things like that. I know we want to work with you. I've been searching and can't find anything. Could you help me figure out how to work with your organization? Right. You know, this is what we do. And, you know, I've always been, I've always had really good luck with that where, where contracting officers will say, well, you know, it's almost like they're like, oh, poor little guy doesn't know what he's doing. I'll give him a little hand, you know, but um, it's really just me being honest saying, I don't know. I've done some research and I can't find anything. <laughs> I'm just yeah. hitting brick walls and, you know, but I know we can help you and, and want to work with you. But, you know, showing that you've had some level of effort is way better than the, the person who's been taught. Just tell them you're small, tell them you're this. And I, I think for me, it, tell me if you agree with this. I think that is the one worst piece of advice that I hear in the market all the time is tell them you're a whatever. I, I, I hear that all the time is tell them you're small. Tell them you're woman owned. Tell them you're an 8A. Tell them, just tell them that. Go from there. And that's, that is a piece of advice I hear in the market all the time. Lead with your status. And we are always saying, don't ever do that. You know, no, lead, you I just agree. said lead with your value is what you were focused on. Right. Lead with the value because the, I can't tell you how many companies had called my office and they hadn't even gone on the internet to try right. to find. Okay. One of the things that I'm most proud of from when I worked in the department of the Navy is that we, I, I, when I worked in the department of Navy, uh, small business back in 2005 at the Naval Air Systems Command. I was the director of small business. And then I moved up to be the director of the Department of Navy small business in 2015. So I saw a lot of change. And at first it was, we were only focused on small business to meet goals and typically in the services area, you know, butts and seats. Mm -hmm. And what I started to see is an increase in value of technology and innovation and areas like that where small businesses could play because the larges aren't, you know, they're big bureaucracy, just like the government, not as right. innovative. Right. So um, I saw more of a focus on the products that small businesses could deliver. And I saw program managers within the Navy starting to care more about finding small businesses because they knew that they were the ones that brought the technological advantage and could help us with some, you know, mm -hmm. key niche areas like artificial intelligence or hypersonics or areas like that, where we were doing some research. So I saw program managers get more involved within small business and not to meet a goal, but to find companies that could really help. And one of the things that we did when I was the director of the Navy small business office is that we required each of our, the Department of the Navy's 10 buying commands, like Naval Air Systems Command, Naval Sea Systems Command, the Marine Corps Systems Command, we required them all to develop a small business strategy, a written document that laid out what they were going to do internally to find small businesses. And after I visited the commands, we reviewed these strategies, visited the commands, gave them, you know, collected lessons learned, gave them um, ideas on how they can improve. And then in my last year as director, um, I worked with Secretary Gertz, um, acquisition, um, he was the head of acquisition for the Navy, to require that these commands publish their strategies online. So their strategies are published online in a public facing website. So small businesses should at least have read those strategies. They could find them. If they go to the small business website for these different commands, they can find the strategy, which is telling the, the um, small businesses and industry what those commands are doing to create opportunities for small businesses and then hold those commands accountable and then ask questions based on that. And we also published long range forecasts. So small businesses should have looked at the long range forecast, looked at the small business strategy before they make that call. And maybe sometimes they're nervous about making the call because they don't know what to say, but if they've right. read those documents, they, they know more of what to say and they're going to 
come across so much better. Yeah, no, that that's really great advice. And I didn't know that the Navy had done that. So that that's awesome. You know, everybody should, should have a small business strategy published online. You know, it would really take a lot of the questions uh, out, out of play there for contracting officers that they, you know, hey, you've got some questions about being a small business and how we're working with, let me send you this document. You know, right. it would, it would make it really easy. So, um, something that, that came up while you were saying that though, was I think a lot of people, um, and this is the unfortunate side of being what I call the, the younger in business where you see a lot of these newer companies that they hear those things, they get excited, but then they go and open a document like that. Or they go and open a forecast and they don't really know how to decipher what's in it. Do you have some tips for them on looking at that? Because I think their eyes probably get really big like, ooh, look at all the dollar signs or whatever in something. But they don't necessarily know what to do with that information. Do you, do you have like a tip or two on like, hey, here's a forecast. Here's what you should look for. Or here's how, here's how you should ask questions maybe about the forecast. Well, I think um, I can give some top level tips, but that's where it's a good idea to, you know, to hire a coach or to talk to the procurement technical assistance center or to go into the small business office also, um, or talk to the small business Mm -hmm. office also just um, attending conferences and educating yourself as best as possible. For example, the Department of the Navy holds, and I don't know if we'll hold it this, they'll hold it this year or not, but the Small Business Gold Coast. But you can go online and get mm-hmm. like past slides from the organization that you're trying to reach out to and see what they're saying about how to approach us and how to read those documents. But um, I think the first step really would be going into the small business office and saying, look, I've read this document, bring it in, show the highlights, mm-hmm. you know, and show here's some questions I have and I'm just starting out. So I want, I want some help and small business professionals are really, that's their role to help, right. to help these small businesses out. I would not call the contracting officer and ask about that. Okay. You know, contracting officers are just really really swamped. And I think the best time to work and call a contracting officer is when you already have a contract or if you're going after a particular requirement and you've gone to the industry day or you've responded to this sources sought or the request for information Mm. and you have specific questions about that procurement. Other than that, I would talk to the small business office first and then the program office that's responsible for the particular procurement. For example, in the Department of the Navy, we required all deputy program managers to be small business advocates for their program. And that doesn't mean that they're a small business professional, but they know that, you know, that that that's their full-time job, but they know that their responsibility as a deputy program manager is that they are supposed to create opportunities for small businesses and they're supposed to sit down and talk to small businesses. So that's where I would start. And then when you have a contract and you have specific contract related questions or specific mm-hmm. questions on a request for proposal, that's when I would go to the contracting officer. Oh, that, that's great advice. And, you know, that brings up another great question there is, you know, I'm always hearing this. And again, you know, if, if you're a listener of this, you've probably heard this from several different directions, but pay attention today because, you know, we have somebody who's lived in this world and they could tell you what they like and don't like. And so this this should make this very simple for a lot of folks. So I want to ask your opinion on a question I ask all the time. We're always told about how we need to be building relationships with these folks. And a lot of the acquisitions that uh, I've won over the years didn't come. In fact, I think when I first got into business, I would say our first 30 million in government contracts were never public. Mm-hmm. It was, it was all stuff where we had built relationships. And I, I, I probably in, in that first 30 million in contracts that I did, I think we did two RFPs and I don't think we won those. <laughs> so <laughs> there was like two RFPs. And so, you know, given the fact that most contracts come from building a relationship over time, number one, who is the most important person in your mind? And it could be multiple people to build a relationship with. And how do you do that? Like, what, what are, you, are you, just the one or two thoughts on how do you effectively build that relationship with those people over months? Well, 
Well, first off, I got a question for you. Like, how did you get those contracts if they weren't public? They went sole source to your company? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, and it was the, an 8A? Uh, we, we, we weren't, but we were actually, we were the only supplier of the technology. So that was, that was our thing. So we were the only ones that built it. It was there. You couldn't get it from anywhere else. You couldn't go to Walmart and get it from them. Uh, you had to come to us. We were the only ones in the world. And the, the reason that we were getting the contracts the way we were is it literally, there was a quiet period where it was probably a year where we, I'm sort of answering my own question here where we built relationships with the people on the ground, with the end users and had conversations. We put our own money into travel and test programs and all these different things and just kept showing up until the customer said we had to have this. And then they brought it up a level and then up a level, up a level uh, until somebody said, we're going to allocate money for this and we're going to put it in the budget and here's how it's going to be, you know, executed. And so, yeah, I mean, it was some of those were anywhere from a, a year to two or three years of, of just really pounding the pavement and meeting the players uh, right. to make that happen. So, so that took a lot of time. Um, but the reason you were able those relationships were so important is because you were sole source. OK, mm -hmm. let's say that what your company sold was not sole source, then the government would not have been able to go right to you. Right. They would have had to compete it right. and they would have had to do their market research and talk to other companies. So, and talk to other companies, figure out what the market is and write the government requirement and then get that requirement put in the budget. Right. So a lot of companies don't sell something that is, that is sole source. Right. So you were in a very unique situation there, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, but if what you're selling is competitive, I can just give an example from, you know, when I worked at the Naval Air Systems Command that at Patuxent River, Maryland. Okay, that's a small community, tight-knit. There's an organization called the Patuxent Partnership that would hold industry events where they would pull people from the government out into a public area and have them talk like they've they've pulled down requirements officers from the Pentagon, program managers on, you know, a particular naval aviation focus. And let's say that your company, you know, could satisfy a requirement in that general area, go to those events, go to networking events. That's how you meet people. That's how you mm -hmm. tell them what your company provides. That's part of the government doing their market research is right. out there talking to industry, putting out what they need, but then also finding out what's the available, you know, is what they need even available on the market. You know, if they need a turnaround time in 20 hours, but they talk to all these companies and find out the turnaround time is really going to be two weeks, you know, that helps mm -hmm. them with shaping their requirements. So I think if you're selling something that is going to be bought competitively, what you can do is get involved in those outreach events, establish, you know, meet those key players and influence how they define the requirement so yeah. that you can compete. Um, that's that's what I would recommend. And I know that at Pax River, there was a small business round table. I know that where small businesses would get together and provide input to Navair as to how they could um, better communicate with industry, things like that. So if you kind of get known and get influential in that in those areas, so participating in things like the National Contract Management Association of meetings, um, you know, and there's a lot of organizations, NDIA, the National Industrial uh, Association, I think that's what it stands for, but participating in those organizations is helpful as well. Um, that's the way you get to meet people and kind of get your company known. Yeah, you know, that ultimately the way the source selection, you know, when it's a competition, they have to select the source based on what's in the RFP. Mm -hmm. So what's in the section LNM, that's how they have to select it. And I know that people feel that, you know, there's outside influences on how they select that, but um, there's really some strict procedures that we follow and not one person, one person doesn't have the final, I mean, one person might have the final say, but there's teams that provide input. 
So let's say all along the, t the team is recommending that we award to company A, the person and, and the evidence all backs that up. The person that's making the final decision can't say, nope, I'm going to company C uh, without some really good documentation. Right, right. Well, and I think that's where it helps for, you know, industry to learn the customer, because if you learn the customer, you should be able to build the case of why they should choose you. You know, I, I'm always talking about how I want them to be able to blindly choose me without my name on the proposal because yeah. we know them so well that they, we, we provided the best answer. Yeah. You provided the solution that they need. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that that's what we want. We don't want to just be chosen. I mean, it's nice to be chosen based on your brand. That's nice. But it's nice when you you really know the customer, you provide the solution they need, and everybody is super happy, you know, especially in the day and age of, you know, protests and, and everything. You know, there's so many contracts that I hear where it hasn't been awarded yet and they're already talking about protesting it. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's like they're preparing their protest team because like, well, what if you win? I don't know. We still might protest. You know, it's it's just that ridiculous, you know. Um, so it's just great to know. The government program managers are evaluated on cost schedule performance. They're not evaluated on, you know, whether or not they used a small business or not. I mean, that's, right. that's important. We do look at those stats, but you know, look, what you deliver has got to work and right. um, you can't just get the contract and then go, go turn your back on it and go look for other work. You've got to execute on the right. contract that you get. And then that's when you really should be, communicating with your contracting officer's rep or the contracting officer. If you run into problems, don't try to hide it. Mm -hmm. And one other thing is you're, you know, the, so many companies tell me, you know, doing business with the government's hard. Um, I want to do business with the government, but you know, who is the government? When you say you want right. to do business with the government, which organization yeah. in the government, because the answer to some of your questions is it depends based on what organization right. you're going to. Right. How how the Navy buys is different than how the Air Force buys or the Army. And then there's different organizations within those organizations. So and they're all run by people yeah. that you need to communicate with. So the government is huge. you got to break it down into which piece of the government you feel like you can support. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of interesting things that you said there that, that I really like it. You know, being able to break that down, super important, being able to execute on the contract. Gosh, how important is that? You know, these people that think we've got it. So it's on to the next one, you know, right? we're, we're going to look at the next one and focus on that. You know, that, that brings up a question for me is when you're evaluating newer companies. And so if, if there's a newer company listening to this, perk your ears up to the, to this part here. When you're evaluating newer companies, are there any particular red flags that you look for on like company maturity or capability or things like that? Because, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies that get in and think, well, we can't win because we're new uh, or, you know, we don't for whatever various reasons. I'm just curious if there are any red flags that make you say, wow, they're just not ready to work with us yet. I think if they've, you know, looking at their past performance is something that the that we look at. And if they've never handled a procurement of this size, if they've always been a subcontractor and now they're going after something that is so huge, it's going to require teaming and they've never don't have that demonstrated capability, you know, that is a red flag. I mean, we're the government is risk adverse mm -hmm. and they do not want to award a contract and then have to have the contractor fail and have to go right. and start all over again. It's right. got to work. And like in Naval Aviation or, you know, in, in the Department of Defense, people's lives are at risk. Right. So we have got to make sure that it works. And um, so anything that's going to be kind of risky when you're writing your proposal, you need to think about it from the government's point of view and think about what they might want to see as to how you're going to mitigate anything mm. that's risky. Mm. And, and so really great. I want to go down this rabbit hole a little bit because I think I've actually had several questions about this kind of stuff recently. And so it's just great to have an, another person chiming in on this. So let's say I've been in the $2 million range, but this is a $20 million opportunity. And we've never done this on our own, but we've worked on a couple of contracts like this, but my teaming partner's big and they've done hundreds of jobs like this. 
Do you think that makes me a good candidate now? I think that helps. It helps. helps. But you can't be overly reliant on that teaming partner, especially if it's a small business set aside. The small business has to be doing the majority of the work, right? So you, you know, you really want to make sure that it's not just a pass through and then that company is doing all of it. Right. So I think it's how you word it and how you mitigate the risk and show that you understand uh, the requirements and that you can get the work done. Yeah, no, that, that's a great answer. And the the second part of that would be, there are a lot of companies that come together because, and this is whether they're in government contracting or not, you wake up one day and you think you can do it better than the company you work for. And so you go out and you also want to work for yourself, you know, have that freedom. So you start your own company and you're just going along and you're getting some contracts and an opportunity comes up and your company doesn't have the past performance, but you do. And people on your team do. What are your thoughts about individual past performance that, that aren't from the company itself? That, that, that is um, something that, from what I understand, from, I mean, I haven't been a contracting officer since like 2005, but that can count as past performance. So I would write it up. I would yeah. show them, you know. You've yep. got that expertise. So it, it's always good when we bring somebody on and we ask a question and you give the answer that we give to people. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. I love that. So it, it's so good because I, I think, you know, when I talk to a lot of small businesses, they say, well, our company's never done anything like this before. But I've been doing this kind of work for 10 years. In right. fact, I've worked for that client I had an email yesterday from somebody that said, I've worked for this client. I know the system inside and out, but I did that for another company. And it's like, you know it inside and out? Yeah, I built some of this stuff. Guess what? There's no other company better to do this work than you. Right. So, So go get it. It's about how you write it up and communicate the value and the past performance. So that's right. And then, you know, afterward, I was talking with this one small business and they had been doing the work and I don't know the whole backstory, but they, the government maybe had consolidated some things. And so they couldn't uh, compete as a prime on the follow on, but they had been in that program office supporting them. And they teamed with one company uh, that did not win the work. And so, but another company won the work and they, and they were, like, well, I guess maybe next time we'll compete. But the advice was go contact that company that won because they, even though you teamed with a different company, that company that won still might want to work with you, especially since you had worked in that program office, you've got a lot of expertise. So even if if you team with a company that doesn't win the contract, I would still follow up with a company that did win and see if maybe there's some opportunity for you to support that work as a sub. Yeah, no, great advice there. I think a lot of people, again, whether they win or lose, you get to the end of the RFP cycle and you're done, you're moving on. And, you know, it's all they can say is no. Right. All they can say is no, we're good. Too. What's that? Get a debriefing. Yep, absolutely. Even when you win, go in and find out how you did. Yeah, yeah, how <laughs> did we do it. Yeah, you know, and that that is a recommendation that uh, I don't think a lot of people give. You know, I think that's a great recommendation. Even if you win, go get the debriefing. Uh, you know, it's funny. I just I spoke to a client a couple of days ago, went in and got a debriefing, and he was just so devastated with their feedback because they were blunt. They were like, "Here's here." I think it was like eleven things, and I was like, "Man, if I was you, I would be super excited because she very bluntly." told you everywhere you screwed up. And so now what do you know? You have a roadmap for their next RFP. That's exactly right. Because a lot of people complain that they don't get any information. Yeah. It sounds like he got a lot of great information. Oh so yeah. To a positive. Yeah. And I was like, guess what? That doesn't just apply to hers because she, she put things in there. Like, you know, you don't communicate your past performance very well. <laughs> That you know, applies to everything. Yeah, I mean, that applies to every contract. You don't communicate how you would approach the, the solution very well. You know, and, and a lot of it was about communication, but I'm like, she just told you how to improve every RFP for the rest of your career here. This is gold, you know? Yeah. And so you can get a lot of really good stuff like that. So really, really good stuff. You know, you mentioned something. 
uh, before we uh, we got started here today about the small business profile. Why don't you talk to folks about that? Because I know there's there's some really important things in there, and I'll just let you talk about it for a minute. Okay. Well, in the in the small business profile, the um, the system for award management, that's where that feeds into the dynamic small business search, and that's where a lot of government small business professionals, contracting officers first do their market research. Ideally, you know, they're looking to see, are there two or more small businesses that can do this work? And then they're looking to see, okay, are they 8A, women-owned, hub-zone? And ideally, they should, if they can figure out from the dynamic small business search their contracting or acquisition strategy, then they shouldn't have to do an RFI or sources sought. Hmm. But and I didn't realize this when I was in working for the Navy, how bad the dynamic small business search data is. A lot of companies do not fill it out. They don't use all of the space that they have in the different sections of the dynamic small business search. They don't use um, the keywords that the government mm. might use. So example, I don't know, I'm just gonna throw something out. Let's say you're an IT company and all you have in there is IT. Well, what specific IT work yeah. do you do? Because the government's going to search on those keywords. A lot yeah. of IT is a big one. A lot of companies like we're an IT company. Okay, well, IT can mean what a lot. What does that mean? Yeah. So put it in there. Make it easy for the government to find your company. Mm. Pull out. Um, go in there and look and see what your competitors have in the dynamic small business search. Make yourself stand out. Um, and then that's one thing. And another thing is on capability statements. I know you guys have a template that companies should follow. Mm -hmm. Think about your capability statement is like in many ways, the first impression that people have of your company. And a lot of times they're very, very, very wordy, way too mm -hmm. wordy. And people don't have time to read them. And how do you read a document? You kind of go left to right and then maybe down like a, like a Z kind of thing. And you, yeah. you know, what are the key things that you want to stand out and how much space are you using? Like I'm showing you one right here that the top level of it is just a bunch of space with pictures, but it doesn't tell me anything. So make sure right. you're using your space properly and that the main things stick out. The small business category should be on there but it shouldn't be the big thing. The big thing right. should be what it is that your company does and show me that you've done it before or where you've done it before, that you've got some past experience. What's your differentiator? What makes you stand out? So I think that across the board, small businesses can make themselves easier for the government to find them. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, really good advice on all that stuff. And yeah, I, I think people take a lot of this stuff for granted and, you know, they get a, a template online and, uh, you know, unfortunately, again, most of the time it's, Hey, you need to put eight, a woman owned small business hub zone, native American, what, you know, anything else you can jam into there because you know, that's important and it's important, but it's not first line you want them to read. You know, it's not that important, you know, it's just, it's a piece there. And, and I think just the simple look and feel we have, we have some free templates, um, that we use with clients. I think those are all really good. Um, but just keeping it simple and, you know, the other recommendation we always make, and, you know, if you're listening to the podcast a lot, you probably heard this one is customize it. So if you go in and talk to somebody and you're talking and you are an IT company and you've got 20 NAICS codes you can support, make sure the top three that you're talking about are highlighted there and, and get rid of the other, you know, 17 right. or so for this particular person. If, if you're dealing with the Navy you know, put ships and stuff like that on, on it as your images and the colors scheme. If you're dealing with the army, it's okay to put tanks and, you know, go with that color scheme. You know, it's so simple to customize this stuff nowadays. And so many people have these skills. It's really a waste not to take five, 10 minutes and have a few different versions ready to go with color scheme and all that kind of stuff and just do a quick update so that when they send it, you look like you are a master of whatever three NAICS codes those are instead of, Hey, we have 75 NAICS codes. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, let's say you do logistics and you do program management, you know, make one that's all about logistics. Yeah. Maybe another one that's all about program management and, and tailor it. And a lot of times this, the SAM profile is one and done. Yeah. You go in, you kind of update it and then you don't look at it for a right. year. You should be looking at that, uh, frequently. Yeah. And I love the advice of looking at your competitors because they, there's a lot of people when they first get into government, I say, well, who are your competitors? And like, I don't know. Like you should know. 
So let's go in, you know, let's go in FPDS and let's find out who your competitors are. Right. Because yep. you call them competitors, like yeah. um, you know, if you're if you're a service-disabled veteran in small business, you you know, in order to get a requirement set aside for service-disabled vet, there have to be two or more service-disabled veteran in small businesses that can do this work. Yeah. So you should know, and you should be team, you should know the head of that company. And when a requirement comes out, you try to get it set aside for service-disabled vet. You can say, hey, look, I can do the work, and then so can this company. Um, a, another thing that makes a company stand out is when you notice or you, you, you do your homework, you look at long range acquisition forecasts, you look at past procurements from that organization and you know that in, in two to three years, a particular um, RFP is gonna come out because the contract that you're looking at is, a five, is you know, five years, base mm -hmm. year plus an option. You know they just awarded it a couple years ago and it was maybe awarded to um, full and open competition to a large business let's say you're tracking it and you really think the the landscape's changing and small business can do that work it's really helpful to a small business professional when you come in and say look i've identified this procurement i see that it was competed full and open a few years ago but this is what's changed in the landscape let's keep this one on your radar and look to see if you can make it small business set aside that's really helpful to a small business professional because just look there's so many contracting officers and so many mm -hmm. program managers and so many contracts that a small business professional can't be focusing on every single one like that. Right. So companies help them by coming in and, and doing that. Or, and then another bit of advice is if you're a company and you come in and just say, I want to do business with you, it's really helpful to say, this is my capability and I would like to meet somebody in the engineering organization or in the logistics mm -hmm. organization help them figure out where it fits because a lot of times yeah. small business professionals come from government contracting background and they and it's a tough job because you have to know your organization that you're supporting and you have to know industry and you're kind of like a matchmaker right. so helping that small business pointing them in the I mean the um, small business professional pointing them in the right direction by saying I want to talk to somebody in engineering that's really helpful too because yeah. they may not understand all of the technology and the technological aspects that you're bringing to the table. I did somewhat because I um, went to the Naval Academy, had a little bit of a technical background, but not everyone does. Yeah. You know, somebody said something great to me yesterday is the uh, one person asked, well, how do you get intelligence out of a contracting officer? And the other person said, well, you, they'll give you as much as you'll ask for. And it's, it's really with everything. And it's, it's one of those things where, a lot of times I think the the business owner, BD person, whatever you want to call them, that's that's reaching out, they ask a lot of yes, no questions mm. and they come in with three or four questions. And as you said, there's not that many contracting officers in the grand scheme of things today as there was, you know, years ago. They've got a lot on their plate and not every one of them is going to say, well, you know what, Emily? You know, why don't I sit back and strategize how you can grow your government contracting business through my organization? You know, <laughs> some, some will in their mind go, well, you know what? She's really nice. I really like their company. And here are three or four opportunities and some things. Some may open up like that. But most people, I do this in my own life. If people just ask yes or no questions, you tend to just give yes or no answers. And if, if right. they don't ask very good questions, then you don't give very good answers, you know. And That's so... True. It's one of those things where, you know, you, you've got to be able to help them help you right? by, by coming right. in, like you said in the beginning, by being prepared, by, you know, doing some of that homework and just all those little things that really add up in the end. So, you know, really good stuff. So I want to help you. Yeah, they want to. Help. Well, and they want to get their job done, right? Yeah, if somebody hasn't done any work, it's like, you know, but if you've done some work and you ask some good questions and you, you just show that you're competent a little bit, it makes them want to help you more. Right. Right. And and I got I'll be very honest about this. When somebody comes to me and they're difficult, I don't want to help them. Yeah. I, I'm like, I want to get them off my plate as quickly right. as possible. And there, it rarely happens to me, but occasionally I'll see people that come to me and they're extremely difficult to deal with. And it's like, if that's how you're approaching contracting officers, there's a reason they won't call you back or email you or like they've probably got you on their caller ID and no one's allowed to touch the phone when they see that number. You know, it's yeah. just the way it is. 
So, and then yeah. take advice that you get. Like, so when I was the director, a lot of people want to go right to the top, right? Meet with yeah, the yeah. senior executive. Okay. Well, when I was the head of the Navy small business office, I had this one company that kept messaging me on LinkedIn, wanting to come in and see me about Naval aviation work. And they had not met with the small business director at the Naval Air Systems Command. And I kept telling him to do that. And he kind of blew me off. And then in one case, he told me that he had, but he hadn't heard back. So I contacted the small business director and that director told me, well, I did respond back. This is what Mm -hmm. I said. So, you know, also when you're dealing with the government, don't be dishonest. Don't say that you did something when you really didn't, Um, you know, don't go above people's head, especially in DOD, Mm -hmm. the chain of command is really important. So that person never really went and talked to the head of small business in Naval Aviation. And then when I got retired, they set up a meeting with me through my website and they scheduled it because I have Calendly for scheduling. And then they didn't, the meeting was supposed to start at, let's say 7.45 or 8.45. It was like 10 of not, I mean, you know, 10 minutes later, um, I finally just got off the call because I didn't have the patience to wait. Right. So schedule a meeting, be on time. Yeah. It, it's it's some really simple fundamentals. And, you know, I, w- I was going to wrap up and then I'm like, oh, there's a couple more things I want to talk about here with, that, <laughs> with what you just said. And, you know, one of the, the things that I've seen from industry is you have people who have no concept of how the government works. So they've never been a veteran or anything like that. They weren't in the military. And they've had traditional sales training. Uh-huh. And so those people are like, I'm going to skip over all these little people, the meaningless, you know, folks down here at this level. And I'm going right to the top. And and some of the other sales strategies, I, I, that stuff just makes me sick when I see it. I really hate traditional sales stuff. Um, in fact, I had somebody, uh, I have a call after this podcast with somebody who, I was talking with her. She's she's doing sales for a company. And she said, I don't have any traditional sales training at all. I'm like, great. Yeah. You're, per- you're perfect for this. You know, <laughs> you're going to soak this up like a sponge and you're just going to be a real person. And, you know, it just there's too many slimy techniques. I'll just be really blunt about it. there's too many slimy techniques about, oh, yeah, I reached out and they're not getting back to me. I'm like, do you think that, you know, Emily's not going to email that person and say, why aren't you getting back? It, I mean, well, I did get back and this is what happened or, you know, or, or whatever sales strategy they want to throw out there. There's so many bad things. And the flip side of that coin are the military folks. I have seen this a lot. So if you are an officer, a retired officer from the military or an ex-officer, I'm going to say this and you might be offended. A lot of you were spoiled. Yeah. A lot of you were spoiled and you don't want to talk to the contracting officer, you want to talk to the highest person possible as well. And that's not cool either. And so I, I, I love you. If you're listening to this, you know, it's great, but you've been trained to talk to somebody either at your pay grade or higher. And that's just not the way it it is. And so, you know, you need to talk to the right people, not focus on the pay grades. So um, that just my little soapbox there. When you said that, I was like, man, I got to say this. <laughs> you know? agree. Yeah. So this has all been really good. Any final thoughts for folks? Um, be persistent and know where you are with where your company is and know where you want to go. And then just be really focused on that and be persistent. Government contracting is not a sprint. It's, mm kind of a marathon and you have to, you just don't give up mm-hmm. and get help if you need it. You know, there's lots of free resources and then there's coaches. Um, I listened to your episode on what a coach can do for a small business and all very good um, tips. I mean, I've got 38 years of experience working for the Navy. Wow. Something I say that you know, it seems kind of obvious to me may not be to a company, but, and it, and it, and it took me a while to get that experience. And so sometimes it's, it's worth your while to hire a coach that can help you move on quicker. Yeah. Cause just one tip can make all the difference. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Good stuff, Emily. I really appreciate you being on today. 
Thank you, Michael. I enjoyed it. Before we get out of here today, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you want to get more out of your government contracting business? Do you feel like you need an edge or some new insights? Are you just looking for maybe even some motivation in the right direction because maybe you're at a plateau? Well, if you said yes to any of those, maybe it's time you join Federal Access and you can start your journey with us today for free. Federal Access is our online training and education knowledge base for government contractors. There's everything you'll ever need to win government contractors in there, including support. But free members can start out with a couple of really basic awesome tools. One of them is our on-demand training videos called Strategy Playbooks. There's more than 60 training videos designed to boost your government skills by covering tips, strategies, market updates, and a whole lot more. And new videos are added monthly. So there's always new content coming in for our free members there. You can also get access to 12 key government sales templates and strategy documents to include a step-by-step -step market sales strategy document, a teaming and subcontracting questions to ask document and two capability statement templates. So you can just plug in your information and rock and roll from there. So those uh, those tools right there are kind of a preview of everything that's in Federal Access. Overall, there's a little over 250 documents in the system right now, but you'll get access to those 12 key documents. You'll get access to the, the 60 plus playbooks and the growing library of that is. All you have to do is visit federal-access.com forward slash join. Uh, the link is also going to be in the description of this podcast, so you can go back later and click on that, but that's federal-access.com forward slash join. So again, if you're feeling stuck in your business, if you feel like you need an edge or some new insights, or you just feel like maybe there's some gaps of knowledge that you you, you just you don't even know what you don't know, right? Something along those lines, then join Federal Access today for free, federal-access.com forward slash join. Join today for free so you can get access to all of that cool content and see everything else in there that some of the paid members get. So you actually, there'll just be a little gold lock over the paid features and you can upgrade uh, whenever you like. Until next time, thanks for joining us on this episode of Game Changers for Government Contractors. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app to get notifications of new episodes. And while you're there, we would also appreciate it if you'd take a minute to write us an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcasting app that is that you use. So thank you again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next time for lessons from our experts on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.